For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening and that means leading the line from the front around the captain's armband and I get to see his lovely face is Carl. So Carl, how have you been since we last spoke? Yeah, really good. Thanks, Dan. You know, the international break's boring me a little bit. There was a point last season where I was dying for an international break towards the end, but uh, this one's dragging its heels. So looking forward to getting into this and then talking all things Spurs again. Top man. Also joining us this week is Patrick. Patrick, you're off to the rave, it looks like. <laughs> I'm ready to rave it up, yeah. I'm going to hit fabric and then... <laughs> <laughs> oh. but this is just the uh, the pre-party for you tonight then that's it that's it so get the drinks up Dan we'll, we'll be having first <laughs> uh, just a bit of water to see us through to start with but also joining us tonight and completing the lineup is Holly Holly always a pleasure to have you on the show how are you my friend no I'm happy to be here I think I might need a drink though after today at work um, just to ease me back in but um, no it's great to be back again and nice to see all your faces as well Yes, of course, if you're listening from a podcast point of view, you can't see our faces. They're not that pretty. But, however, it's time to do the social media bits. So, as we'll be talking into the Abyss once more. And we also need to dissect, not just last week, but the week before that. Because we didn't have a show last week because life got in the way. But, anyway, as always, don't forget to subscribe to the Common New Spurs app, where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at COYS underscore COM. We're on all the major audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If you're not on one, let me know. I'll get it sorted for you. And if you listen on Apple, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating. And I guess also, now because it's a more video-based or a video-based show as well, you need to subscribe to our YouTube channel. There'll be a link somewhere. We should get that bit sorted. But subscribe. Do that bit. Right. Let's get down to business. And that business this week is transfer business. As the window is now slammed shut. Some say thankfully, but it's done because it's a bit of a tiresome period over the summer. But thankfully, we can all take a breath and we're going to dissect all the transfers, ins and outs from a Tottenham point of view over the next hour or so. So before we dive into the ins and outs over the course of the summer, we need to get an idea of whether it's a good window or not, really. And Carl, I'll start with you because a lot of people on Twitter are guilty of you know saying it's a X out of 10 kind of window. And I find personally it's quite hard to sort of put a real figure on something such as a transfer window because it's quite subjective. And really, you can only rate a transfer window a season down the line, maybe even longer. You know, you need to have these players bed in and actually see what they're about, not just that player was good on paper, it was a good signing, etc., etc. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I think, you know, put it this way, I think it was a typical Spurs transfer window, wasn't it, in terms of the players we went after. Um, you know, there was a lot of youth in there. Um, we've made one... Although we haven't signed him properly yet, but one big signing um, in Romero, which, you know, from what we've seen of him so far, it looks like he's going to be really solid for us. Um, so pleased, pleased with that. I like the look of Gil, you know, from what I've seen of him in his first couple of performances. So really impressed with him. Um, we've got obviously Emerson to come in at right back, which we've needed. I don't know too much. Haven't seen too much of him. Again, heard some good things. So we'll have to see how he beds in. But overall, you know, I think we, we've set ourselves up and the, the talent looks there and it's promising. I guess the ultimate question is whether we've done enough in terms of first team and players that can impact the first team maybe this season as to 
tell whether that's been a good window or not. But like we say, we might not find that out until kind of halfway through or at least until maybe January, where if things haven't worked out, we might need to hit the market again at that point just to try and push us on. Of course, Patrick, the transition is always going to take time from one manager to another, even a one director of football to another, that whole kind of hitch into Petrucci movement. I know they're kind of interlinked anyway, but things are changing in the background. With that, it's going to be not just a window, it's going to be two, three, maybe even four. So what's been your take so far? Are you happy with what you see? Do you want more? Uh, yeah, I'm really happy, to be fair. I think it was a positive window. We have to also remember that we got rid of a lot of dead wood. I think we got around about £800,000 a week off the wage bill, which was really good. Uh, the positives is we um, you know, upgraded on Lamella with Ryan Gill. So we got rid of Lamella in one and also bought him Ryan Gill, which is a fantastic coup, considering none of us saw him on the radar. Emerson came in uh, late. Um, and I've, to be fair, I've not really heard or sorry, seen him play that much. I watched the Brazil Copper, uh, Argentina Copper America final, who was in there. So I've read a lot of good stuff about him. Um, I'm also happy that we extended Son's contract. That was a big one. Uh, there wasn't much, um, you know, uh, to and foreign on that. Son signed a four-year deal, which was fantastic considering we had all the stuff going on with Harry Kane in the background. And also, a lot of people aren't talking about it, but Kane's still with us, which for me is fantastic. A lot of people say, oh, he wanted to go and all of this and that. But at the end of the day, if we were to replace, if Kane was to leave, whoever we brought in would be nowhere near as good as him because the top world-class strikers aren't coming to Spurs right now and we won't be able to pay their wage bills. So the fact that we... Or wage packet, sorry. So the fact we got Kane and he's still with us, for me, that's fantastic. So I think it's a positive window. We've added a lot of good players, got rid of a lot of the deadwood. Some are still here, but we can't do everything in one window. So yeah, for me, it's a positive window. I'm glad to hear. I mean, we can't get rid of all the deadwood. We wouldn't have a squad left, would we? But Holly, <laughs> in terms of who we've brought in, there's always that nagging fear that we've not got a backup striker. Are you also kind of worrying that we're only a Harry Kane injury from it all happening again? We've been here so many times that you kind of think, are we mad for not doing this, you know, not getting a striker? Why have we done this again? What's your take on all things up front? I agree. I think I hope it's not history repeating itself again. I mean, people are saying calls that Sonny can just play up top. And I agree, Sonny can do a shift up there, but it's not his role. You don't put a player that isn't naturally a striker up there. They can do a job, but again, it's not their natural ability. So I hope we can maybe um, last till, say, the January transfer window. But like Patrick said, it's a win that Harry Kane's still here, regardless of whether he wanted to leave or whatnot. He seems to be here to put a shift in. Um, so I'm happy on that kind of front. Um, like we said, hopefully come maybe January, we can um, embed a striker in the, trans in the January transfer window. But again, it, I think the foundations are there. So hopefully we can grind through it with the skin of our teeth and um, make it to January and hopefully then um, sort out this striker situation. Cheers, Ross. I love the message also there. But, Cole, in terms of Tottenham's lack of a striker, I thought of a theory. It might be completely wrong, but is there some logic in that Harry Kane might leave next summer and then you're worrying about not just a backup striker, you're worrying about the replacement or, you know, not quite the replacement because you never can replace Harry Kane, but someone who try and fill that void. So is it, in a sense, easier to then buy your new shiny striker, your number one, and then work out what backup you need? Otherwise, you might buy a backup now for Kane and that backup is out of date 12 months down the line. So do you need to play the long game in a certain sense, as, as frustrating as it is? 
Yeah, it's very frustrating, isn't it? And I think this year, the one the, the one signing that was a real frustration for me was Ings going to Villa because obviously, you know, especially when you're looking at the money that he went for, you know, 25 million in today's market, you can afford to take a risk for 25 million because, you know, what you could get back from that if you reach the top four, it is worth it, you know, and it, it's peanuts. Um, so for me, I think we missed out there because I think, Ings doesn't just come in and play when Kane isn't playing. He comes in and plays with Kane. You know, there'll be games like Watford at home recently where you could play Ings and Kane together. With the amount of games and fixtures we'll have, Ings would have got enough first-team football. And also there, what you are doing is bringing someone in that, say, next summer, Harry leaves, you know you've actually still got a class forward there. And like as you say, Dan, then you are planning to like, okay, well, yes, Ings' age is going against him. So we bring someone in that can maybe then learn under Ings for, say, a season, half a season, and then maybe take the mentor on full-time themselves. But you've got to have two strikers in the squad. You know, you, if, if you want to, if you want top four aspirations and even more, you can't just have one striker in a squad and hope to get by the season, especially when you know that that striker has got suspect ankles and you know that at some point this season, one of them could go. I agree with Holly and say, people will say, well, then we put Son up top. Yeah, okay. And like as Holly said, he'll work in odd games and he'll score some goals, but you then lose that out wide. You know, you lose your double threat, don't you? Because, you know, we'll probably come on to it later. But when you look at the side and the squad in general, when you lose either Kane or Son, you lose half your goals effectively. So it is a real worry. But I do think the striker position is something we've got to look for and start looking now because... I think we all we all know that Harry's only here till next summer, possibly. You know, we'll get a new contract with a release clause, clause in it, uh, and then he will be off. So we've got to start preparing for that early. Well, I'll move on to the contract. Obviously, nothing has been inked yet, and who knows when it will. But, Patrick, you kind of intimated that you're delighted that Kane's staying. I think we all are. You know, Bridges may have been burnt for about a week or so, mm-hmm. but we're all fickle football fans, aren't we? Let's be honest. Kane scores against Paco Ferreira in minutes, and it's all quickly forgotten. But... In terms of that contract which could be signed, do you think that's the kind of the perfect halfway house in all of this? You know, yes, you can't go in the summer, but look, give us one more year, see what you can do, just stick with Nuno yeah. for one more, and then if you go and you get our blessing and it kind of works out best for everyone. I think so. I think there'll be a lot of release clauses and, you know, real, not gentlemen's agreements, but actual agreements in there. So, so to speak, if we get top four in a trophy, maybe... X team has to hit this amount of money before we can go. You can go, or if we don't make Champions League and a Champions League team comes in for you, then maybe it's only this amount of money for you can go. It's something that Kane have to be smart to engineer so that he doesn't make the same mistakes he made this summer and essentially, you know, ruin his um his credibility and and all the the good work he's done to make himself look the poster boy, so to speak, before all of this. Because we would have never thought Kane would have taken, you know, a day off or two days off or go AWOL and all of that. No one would have ever imagined that in their wildest dreams. So for that to happen and all the stuff going on behind the scenes, you would think that Kane would be smart enough now to make sure there is all of that in there. Um, I read that they want, as in Tottenham, want to make sure Kane's rewarded for his, um, you know, his 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 uh, all the goals he scored and how good he is and give him a bumper contract. So... Yeah, he would be crazy to sign that without something uh, in there to let him go if the right offer came in. But again, it's if the right offer came in because Man City really didn't put their money where their mouth was, did they? And they essentially left them out to dry. And that's why we are where we are now. But I'm not complaining. I'll take it all day long as long as we get the Harry Kane that we know and love back. 
Well, Holly, what do you make of Harry Kane's breaking of silence on social media? What's been your stance on all things Harry once he's been back? You know, as I said just minutes ago, that we are quite fickle. Would your nose out of joint at any point over the summer? But are you ready to forgive and forget? It's a tough one because we all kind of know what the egg's like. Uh, the main man behind me, Daniel Lewis. So, um, for me... When he took that first day off training, I sat there and thought, actually, you know what? I'd probably do the same if I was feeling the same. Make a point and then turn up the next day and be like, look, I'm not afraid to do what I want to do because at the end of the day, it's my career. But then when it kind of went on and went on and went on, yes, we don't necessarily know what's going on from either Harry or the club because they were both useless at communicating it. But then you kind of sit there and think, well, does Harry Kane have to come out and say something? Maybe he is on holiday. Do, um, do the club have to come out and say something? Again, they are the employer, but... It was just a massive mess, I think. And again, us fans lose out on all of it because we're never in the clear of what's going on at the club. Um, so in terms of how I felt, I was a bit peeved off at both, to be honest. Um, and the thing that really didn't sit right with me is when all this rubbish was kicking off about Grealish not taking his penalty in the Euros, he was straight up on Twitter and told everyone why he didn't take that penalty. Harry Kane left it till Grealish signed a new contract or went to Man City, sorry. And then he came out and said something. So for me, it was just all badly planned. I mean, maybe that's a massive coincidence, but it kind of makes you think. But the man's in, in Tottenham colours, so I'm not going to sit here and slag him off if he scores a goal. I'm all going to sit here and actually cheer him on. I'm not going to do a Lee Judges where I sit there and not score, um, not celebrate. So um, for me, yeah, he's still a Spurs uh, player and it seems that he's always still in the game. And he's got the World Cup next year, so... I think he will put his all into it. You know, the man loves the club and we love him. So we've just got to put it behind us and move on. Cole, in terms of Kane, do you think this summer just gone is the kind of the sweet spot when you combine his value, his age, his contract length? Could you demand the same value or same transfer fee next season? If we're saying 160 million now, with all those factors combined 12 months down the line, could you then say 160 million or do you have to then think actually maybe with a year less than that contract, it's probably 140 and he's a year older. And again, he could be injured during the season. So what do you make of what he could be demanding 12 months from now? Yeah, I guess it will all depend on that contract, won't it, Then You know, if he signs a new contract, um, then obviously you get the years back on the contract. So you're kind of protecting your asset, aren't you? If he doesn't sign a new contract, then again, you, you can only go by what the market dictates at that time for top players, don't you? I say, you know, Man City made their bed this summer because the minute they brought Grealish for 100 million, for me, they set the market price, which is, well, listen, if you're going to pay 100 million for Jack Grealish at this point in time, great. Okay, he's a great player. But Harry Kane is a different level above Jack Grealish. So if you're paying 100 mil for him, we're not going to let that asset go for at least 150 million minimum. Now, next summer, we might be in a completely different landscape. As you say, if Kane gets injured again and suddenly misses months and months, then, of course, the value is going to go down. If he has another great season where, again, he nets you know 20 plus goals, lots of assists again, Again, it will all dictate on what players are moving for what sort of money at that time and what release clause, if he signs a contract, he gets. Obviously, age is the big factor because, yes, as each year goes on, the value, you know, particularly should diminish, shouldn't it? Because you you aren't going to get as long with that player. But if Harry has another stellar season and players are still going for 80, 90, 100 million, then I still think you've got to look at Harry as 150 million player um it, it'll be a hard one but i think it will dictate you know around what's happening around that time come the end of the season 
Yeah, we haven't got a crystal balls for that one, unfortunately. We don't also have one for Ndumbele, Patrick. We've spoken about him a few times with the season starting. It's been, what, six weeks and it's been quite Ndumbele heavy, but he's staying. Now, that's more because no one else wants him. But with that said, could that put a rocket up here and say, look, here's your chance. You're almost the outcast of a top, you know, all the top European clubs. They're not interested. Can you prove us wrong? Exactly. And, um, you know, like Carl said, it's a World Cup year coming up. He needs to be in that France squad. He wasn't for the Euros because he wasn't really playing. I mean, the guy's so talented. For me, he's probably our best footballer in terms of actual natural ability. The fact that he's not even making the match day squads says it all right now. And, yeah, we need to get him back on, on track, back on board. I don't know what we do, but we need to do something. I mean, when I see the pictures of him training, he's always at training, he's always smiling. So I just hope that, you know, we can bed him back in. They have There's a guy with some donuts, Patrick, behind the camera <laughs> when he's smiling. <laughs> he's always got his hat on. He's always you know, smiling and stuff. So he looks he looks happy to a degree. I know it's only a picture, but yeah, man, it's, it's, he's such an enigma. And, you know, I really want him to do well in a Spurs shirt. I really don't want to see him go. But at the same time, if he's not playing and he's not even making the squad, then what's the point? Even if we let him go for 30 or 40 million, we can then reinvest that into someone who can actually make the squad and make a difference. Because right now, he's doing nothing. Uh, I really want to see him succeed because the guy is so good at dropping the shoulder, creating something, seeing, you know, we're, we're screaming out for a creative midfielder. We've got one right there. And we've got one who's 60, 60 million pound plus. But you can't get in the, in, you can't even get on the match day squad which is, is crazy in itself. So he, he, he has at least now been added back into the European squad, isn't he? Oh, so he? that's a kind of, I suppose, a step in the right direction, isn't it? Because yeah. you at least now think, well, OK, at first he may only get some minutes in there, but if he can play in those fixtures, can build, can build. build from there, yeah. you know, there, there maybe is a spark of recovery there. Well, Holly, let's play devil's advocate. Let's say he has another unflattering season, underwhelming season, shall we say. That 60 million quickly becomes 30 million. It could become 0 million because if no one wants him now and he plays crap again, we've got a real dud in the hands, haven't we? So how do you fix a problem called Undumbele? I mean, the fact that his best mates have probably left the club is probably one key in the chain, maybe. Um, the fact that obviously Serge and Sissoko have been, not booted out, but Serge has like obviously terminated his contract and Sissoko has gone to Watford. So, that being said, he's got no more distractions. So maybe now influencing him into that um, uh, Conference League uh, kind of squad, maybe that's us thinking, actually, hang on, maybe he's actually starting to shift his thoughts and actually, I'm at Tottenham Hotspur, I need to actually start delivering and not basically pissing about, as I'd like to say, because that is what he's basically been doing for 60-odd minutes. Like, he has literally just been kicking the ball around in the training ground and not bothering to turn up or actually having the right attitude to play on a match day. So... It is very interesting. Like we all say, we all want him to perform well because we need a talent like Ndombele. And there's no doubt that if you ask every Spurs fan, they will say there is a talent in there. We just can't unlock it at the moment. And I think that's just uh, him and his sense and his mind. I just don't think he's really applying himself. So hopefully now with the distractions gone, he can really push on. Because like you said, if he doesn't, the price is just going to drop and drop and drop. Well, no wonder he's always smiling. I'd be delighted if I was getting paid, what, over 100 grand to not even play. You know, it, it is the easiest job in the world if you're just training, like a third-choice goalkeeper. But I'll, <laughs> I'll stay with you because in terms of Ndombele, where does he fit in the Tottenham midfield? You mentioned the Europa Conference League. And last season, our manager at the time, Jose Mourinho, made that kind of, I would say, mistake, a distinction, a clear distinction between, right, this is my Premier League squad, this is my Europa League squad. The two will never mix, you know. 
does that need to be better and clean integration between the two to say that even if you're playing on Thursday, you're not necessarily an outcast, go and play well, get in my Premier League squad, get in my thoughts, rather than you're either one or the other. What do you make of that? Yeah, I think that's the thing. I mean, I like the concept of what Jose had in mind in a sense that, right, you're not good enough to necessarily play on a Sunday, but you're in that squad, so you'll be involved. But I also see the sense that you need that kind of, can't say it, continuity. You know what I mean? That kind of transferableness between the two sides. Because like you said, you know, I laugh at and joke about Harry Winks. But if Harry Winks performs really well in the Conference League and we've got, I don't know, a weaker team coming up, chuck him in that. He's proved his worth necessarily and it keeps the competition for space always elevated. Because I find that in some players, let's say like Deli Alley, OK, he had a rubbish kind of year last year. You saw him um, hit the gym and he's been phenomenal over the summer. And I, the transformation is insane. And you can see each week, OK, not necessarily the the assists or the goals are coming, but the productivity is increasing. And that's because he's fighting for his place now because he knows there's no Dombele. He knows that, okay, I laugh and joke about it, but Winks is in that, necessarily in that sort of thing now. We've got rid of the Deadwood and sense of Sissoko, so he's not going to get that place. I think it is a real testament to the way Nuno is kind of trying to push this squad because I find, for me, motivation is a key and I think we've been lacking that for a very long time. If you're sat there thinking, oh, Winks, you're only going to play on a Thursday... He's going to... Uh, Winks is a funny one because it's it's Winks and he doesn't want to leave, it seems. But he's trying to push to get back into that side in the Premier League. So I think it's a good idea. I think it's quite nice. Cole, in terms of the midfield shape at the moment, obviously you've got Skip, Ali, Hjoiberg. Where do you fit an Undumbele in that? Obviously, the starting eleven we've seen over the first three weeks of the season is not going to be exactly the same every week. There are going to be changes enforced or not at time to time. So are you changing the shape of the team to accommodate Undumbele? How do you fit him in? Yeah, I don't think you... Well, you certainly don't change anything while the team is winning, do you? You know, if the team is winning, then you're not going to mess around too much with that. I think, you know, the Euro, the Conference League games will be the best start for him and to see where he can possibly fit in because if he comes in there and plays well, he could maybe take, you know, play alongside Hoiberg. But again, we saw, didn't we, last season, them two playing together in the centre doesn't always work. Um I would like to see, as, as Patrick said, you know, there is creativity there and he is somebody who always looks to play the attacking pass. So maybe you'll be finding that it could be him and Delhi possibly fighting for that little role, just floating behind that front three um, and, and, you know, being given a little bit more licence to be a little bit more forward thinking. But I guess that that's all going to depend on performances, how things go injuries that might come in and he, you know, he might find there's an injury this season and he gets lucky and gets a place and then keeps it. Um, I'm like you, you're struggling to think of where he's going to fit in and also struggling because you can't afford to carry anybody. So what you don't want to be doing is effectively playing with 10 men when you play with him. So he's got a lot of, you know, I'd say, you know, impressing to do to try and kick any of those early players out from the moment. But I certainly don't see anyone being left out while the start of the season, if it continues the way it has. Yeah, I certainly agree with you there, Cole. Right, let's actually talk about the window itself. We got a bit diverted there, but the outs. Let's talk about that Deadwood and the people who have called time on their Tottenham tenures. I guess the highest profile one, probably Toby Alderweireld, Holly. You kind of think, it's a shame that he'd gone. Everyone loved him, but had Father Time just caught up with him? I think so. I think it's the right time to sell as well. Like we were talking about Ndombele, about when's the right time to maybe move him on. If he doesn't have a good performance this season, his price is going to devalue. And I think it was the prime time 
to move Toby on. I don't think he would have necessarily got another two years out of him. So as sad as it sounds, because I love Toby, I think it was just the right time, really. And Patrick, in terms of Moussa Sissoko, £30 million to get him from Newcastle, £3 million to send him to Watford. Now, obviously, a lot of time has been passed since the arrival to the departure, and you shouldn't really look about trying to get a profit for Moussa Sissoko. I think, really, any money was good business. But overall, what do you make of his time? Would you go as far as cult hero, a flop, an actual legend? I mean, it's such a mix of emotions with this player. What's your stance on old Moussa? Uh, it's a tough one. I think it's in the middle. Um, he is definitely a flop when he first came in. We had him on the wing to begin with, didn't we? And he was awful there. He stunk up the place. Then we kind of realised that he's better as a almost like a DM, CM, 8-6 kind of player. And then he started to come into his own. And, you know, he won the fans over. We had the chant for him. I mean, in, in, in terms of the team that made the Champions League final, he was integral to that team. So there's definitely been good and bad parts to him. But it was... Definitely time to, to see him go. Uh, three million, obviously, is peanuts in today's market. But the fact that we got him off the wage packet and the fact that he we also you know got rid of him, it was good business. I was shocked that we allowed him, not allowed him, but I'm shocked that he played against us. And I was thinking, oh man, he's gonna you know turn into fry Musa Dembele, and then do you know what I mean? But luckily he didn't, and he, he put a, free, uh, a few balls in Rosette again, and we all you know were sarcastically chanting. Oh, I think the shot from the edge of the area was yeah, yeah, <laughs> was just exactly. perfect, wasn't it? it was typical prime, you know, uh, Tzoko, and just showed us exactly why we've let him go. But to be fair to him, I did like him as a in terms of his work ethic. Well, up until last season, the very last season, I think he was so lazy and late, laborious when he came on. But before that, he always put a shift in. He always tried his all. There was times when he was actually immense. I think Champions League game against, was it Juventus? When we drew 2-2, he was fantastic in that game as well. So he, he has had his moments. But like Holly said with, um, with Toby, it was time for him to go. I'm glad we got rid of him. Um, and yeah, now we can crack on. Well, I guess, Cole, in terms of Sissoko last season, a lot of that was holding the hand of Serge Aurier, wasn't it? You know, they're kind of, at times, having two right-backs because it was like, Serge, don't do anything silly. Musa, go and stand in front of him and just try and block out that channel. And it's kind of, it allowed, well, it actually didn't allow Musa Soko to try and play his football because he's too busy trying to protect Serge Aurier behind him. So it's kind of hard to sort of say he was a complete flop last season. But when you look at the whole malaise of the team last season, he was probably one of the players who dropped off a cliff quite quickly. Yeah, he was. And, you know, Patrick's right. You know, when we first moved into the new stadium, I think, you know, Sissoko had one season where he was one of the first names on the team sheet. You know, he really kind of suddenly come into his own, didn't he? And you suddenly thought, well, yeah, actually now this this guy is one of the key members of this side and you play him every week. Um, it did drop off a cliff, unfortunately, you know, and maybe, as you say, Dan, last season, you know, given that tactic where Jose obviously didn't trust Serge. So it was just like, listen, just don't do nothing silly stay with him, you know, just babysit him through games. It, it, that probably can affect you and, and, you know, you're not on your full game because you, you've got a job to do. And, you know, whether he had the quality or not that we needed, the one thing you couldn't question was the fact that he was there to do a job and he would try to do it to the best of his ability each week. So, but the time was right, you know, to be honest. He never lived up to the fee and, you know, let's face it, we probably, there were better options out there when we brought him. That did kind of seem a little bit of a panic buy at the time. Um, but, it, you know, that's, that's football. He's moved on. Wish him all the best 
at Watford now. You know, he'll be a key player for them, so he'll get lots of minutes this season. And, you know, who knows, maybe he'll be a great influence in there because, as the documentary showed us, he is a strong character in the dressing room by all accounts. So maybe he could be take over from Troy Deeney there as their leader for them. Now, Holly, Deadwood's probably a bit of an unfair phrase at times, but what we can say is that the older statesmen of the squad have gone. Let's take the ages. Aldevereld, 32. Sissoko, also 32. Joe Hart, 34. Danny Rose, 30. Lamella, 29. Gazaniga, 29. Cameron Carter-Vickers, 38. No, he's not 38. He's 23, but it feels like, <laughs> feels like he's 38. But when those players have left, we've actually only got one player in the squad over 30, that being Hugo Lloris. So there's a new generation, but at the same time, is there not a lack of just a... I know Lloris is that genuine match winner, you know, he's won a World Cup, but do you not need someone in the middle of the park to also sort of be a general, maybe like a seasoned veteran, a 32-year-old, like a, like Esteban Cambiasso back in the day for Leicester, someone like that. Is that what we're lacking also? Um, I think, to be honest with you, I think it's because it's just got so stale. I think we've just needed this overhaul. Um, I think Hoiberg is going to be that that general, I think, coming of age. Um so I think we'll be fine, but I think the main the main thing I'm so happy about is the fact that we shifted those players that I, I don't even know how or why they're still here. The likes of obviously, um, oh, my brain's gone dead. But the likes of those players, you're thinking to yourself, how are you still Lamela? How is how has Lamela been here for that long? That long, and now we've managed to shift him on. And obviously, it's a Tottenham thing that he goes and does business wherever he's gone. But it just kind of highlights that we've been so stale and we've aged with that staleness as well. There's been no injection of that youth. Now we've got that injection of youth. And I think that having Hugo as that vocal point, hopefully those young players will look up to him. So I don't think you necessarily need leaders dotted all over the place because we tried to do that last season with Jose and it, it clearly wasn't really working. So I think having Hugo as that, that main focal point of um, power, shall we say, and then Hoiberg in the middle doing his thing, I think we'll be fine in that kind of sense. Patrick, will we live to regret, regret is not even a word, is it? Regret <laughs> selling Juan Foyth to VRAL, 13.5 million if you believe transfer marked. It's pretty much right. But 23 years old, won a Europa League with the club last season on loan. Is that one going to come back to haunt us in a couple of years' time? I think so. I didn't want him to go, to be fair. I really liked him. And I know he kind of got the rough end of the stick or the short straw, so to speak, when he came on as a sub and then he got the red card. I think, um, I can't remember who, I think it was against Brighton, wasn't it? Or someone, a team of that ilk. And then we ended up losing the game. Uh, a lot of fans that didn't sit right with them. But he was a talented player. And we saw that in uh, in the semi-final against Arsenal. He was um, the best player on the pitch. The final, he looked good as well. I think he's a really talented guy. But at the same time, he, he was a right-back slash centre-back. And he wasn't getting in our team, was he? He wasn't getting any minutes. So it kind of made sense, you know, that to, to sell him. But I do think he's a really good player. And... It already has shown that we kind of missed missed the trick there because um he was he was integral to them winning the Europa League last year and that's a trophy that as as Spurs fans we would have loved to win as well mm-hmm. so um yeah a bit of a sad one but it also makes sense because he wasn't getting in the team as a centre back and he wasn't getting in at right back either. Now, Carl Danny Rose obviously didn't feature for the club for a long time, so his departure doesn't really affect Tottenham as a whole. But he's ended up at another Premier League team, so. Do you think he's still got something to offer at the highest level? I think for Watford this season, he'll certainly have something to offer. You know, I think we've got to give Danny full credit because, you know, even right now he's been seen as an at Spurs, you know, 
young youth games where he's still backing those players that he was training with last season. So it's clear the guy's heart is, is with the club. Um, you know, it's just obviously we could clear to see that there was just a mass falling out, wasn't there? But I think at Watford this season, he may not play that many minutes for them and he might just be, you know, he might have the odd game here and there. I think he's been brought there purely just for his influence in and around the club and what he can give to the younger players and help that squad with a bit of experience. So good luck to him. You know, he, he was great for us as a, as a servant, you know, and, and it's clear to see that he still loves the club. But, you know, the, the time had come to move him on because he wasn't going to, you know, he just wasn't going to play anymore for us, was he? So I, I think Watford's a good move for him because then you consider as well that even if they go down, he's probably there and then can still, again, you know, help them with that rebuild and then going forward. So I think that's a great move all around. And Holly, you mentioned Eric Lamella just minutes ago. He's playing for Seville now. He's scoring goals. He's scoring goals with his right foot. So the world is going to end soon. But what do you make of his <laughs> departure finally? I mean, is it was it the right time? I mean, how he was there for that long, evading any coal, who knows? But he did. He did it with panache. And he left in the end. Again, a cult hero, really. But what do you make of his departure? Yeah, I think um, I think it was I think it was too late. As in, I think we've left it so long. Um, I mean, that he is doing the business where to Seville, and I know that you can't really compare the two leagues. But still, the man is showing that he's still got it. I just think for Tottenham, yes, he brought that kind of edge, that feistiness that sometimes you just kind of needed because we just were. I don't even know what planet we were on. You brought the mailer on, and he jeered them up, and we seemed to push on. And then he'd also cost us because he'd make, do something silly, as in tackle someone's ankles, kebab them, as I like to say, or just say something mouthy in someone's face. So he's got a rash head, but again, you, you never lose that spirit in the mailer. So I just think it was um, the right time or maybe a couple of years too late. But nevertheless, it, it's nice to see him go on to another club and obviously do the business still elsewhere. The strange bit was, he, last season, he probably he probably had his best spell for us, didn't he, at the club? Because he really was effective last season. And, you know, he looked to have that creative edge. And you sort of thought, actually, the Miller's a player I'd put in the, in the side right now. But then, as Holly said, you know, I remember the Arsenal game. He scored a weldy and the next minute elbows someone to get himself sent off. And that he was always on that knife edge, wasn't he? But it was funny, you know, a few years ago, we wouldn't have been, you know, we wouldn't have thought twice about Lamella going. But last year, he was actually a decent player for us in the times and the games that he was there. And Patrick, I guess the most controversial departure of all was Serge Aurier. One that we didn't really see happening in the manner it did. I think a lot of people were expecting some form of sale in a similar vein that if we don't get anything near profit, just get him out the door. However, mm -hmm. it was get him out the door, but for absolutely nothing. So what do you make of all of that? I mean, can you see him? I mean, there's a rumour that he's going to go to Arsenal. Now, that would be the ultimate up yours to our club board. But what do you make of his departure and how do you see this all panning out? Um, You know what? Serge is a, is a, is a tricky one because we used to slate him, we used to berate him and... But when he, um, when his brother passed, and he literally made himself available for the game like a day or so later, yeah. and actually put a good shift in, I really changed my outlook on him, and he, you know, I grew a lot of respect for him because, as we know, there's players who fake injury, who for any little thing don't want to turn up and play. The guy put a shift in week in and week out, and yes, he may not be the best right back in the world, but. On his day, he was actually a, a quality right back. It's just obviously it's the lapses in concentration and the city fouls that cost him and cost us in certain games. So when you know no one came in for him 
from our point of view, it does make sense. We just wanted to get rid of all these guys, have a clean slate, have a clean start, not really have these influences in the dressing room that aren't going to play and just cause a bit of friction and stuff. So I understood the terminating of the contract. It was a good move for us and also a decent move for him because it then allows him to probably get a move to a better club because they don't have to pay a, you know, a transfer fee. But him going to Arsenal, <laughs> that, 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 that is a funny one. But to be fair, they can have him. Like, let's, let's be real here. He's not a great right back. So it would actually be banter if they then ended up taking him after we, you know, went for Emerson and left Tomasu, or however you pronounce it, and they picked him up. So it'd actually be banter that they're taking scraps again. So I'd love it if they did that. I don't think they will, but, you know, but no, to be fair to Serge, I wish him the best. Uh, I wish him, uh, you know, I hope he gets a decent club and that he can obviously push on as well. Um, I liked him for what he did and, and what he showed us last year against Man United when we beat them 6-1. He was immense. And obviously, like I said, after his brother passed and he was still made himself available, I really respect that. Yeah, you've got to respect the player for that. And where he goes with everyone's best wishes, I don't know. But it's just a shame that it kind of didn't quite work out for him. But at the same time, Cole... Four right-backs is always going to be a bit too much over the course of the season. So one man had to go. You're not really going to sell Doherty because I know Nuno sold him before as Wolves boss, but you get the feeling as a new manager, you want players that you can at least rely on and his contract was much longer. So any hope of him going or even having his contract ended was, you know, wishful thinking if he wanted him to leave, that is. But, you know, what do you make of having four right-backs at that time for about an hour or so? You think that's at that point, get a striker? Why have we got so many right-backs? Yeah, I, I guess, you know, it, it was a problem area. And, you know, when we're saying right-backs, we're putting Tanganga in there, aren't we? Which, you know, it's at certain points, and he's done a really good job there. We can't disagree with that. But like I've always said, I don't think his future's there for us. I think, you know, I'd like to see him move into the one of the centre-back positions. You know, I think him and Romero this season could form a really good partnership if they can ask Dyer and Sanchez. Um so I wasn't too worried about that. But as you say, you know, you are signing players that you think, well, look, listen, they're, they're, you know, yes, we did need a right back, but you are going to overstock there. So we have got other priorities. But I think, as you said, Nuno's going to look to see if he can get the best out of Doherty. Um, I said that's going to be some mission for him because, you know, whenever we see him play at the moment, you're just questioning, you know, who sanctioned this, and then you're starting to realise why Wolves let him go so quickly for such a cheap fee. Um, but I don't think it's too much of a worry. Like I say, I think Tanganga's got a better future somewhere else. So technically, I, I would sit there and say, right now, I think we've got two right backs and one utility player who, you know, can do a job, but can probably be more effective in another position. Okay, that's the people who have departed Tottenham let's talk about the people who have joined Tottenham and the first of those is in well I wouldn't say he's in prison but he's in a bit of bother in Argentina Holly that being Christian Romero we might get to what on earth is happening in South America at the moment but what do you make of his arrival when's that first team birth going to be his if ever because he might be in quarantine for a long long time and also if you think about it these international breaks in um, October and November surely this cycle never ends so he might not even play till January I know, it's actually depressing because this is the one sign I was really, really pleased about. It was an established centre-back that's done the business where he's been. And then I'm thinking to myself, oh no, mate, what have you gone and done? Um, so I don't know whether they were told to stay at home. I don't know whether Tottenham actually gave them the, the green light to go ahead. But again, you, you don't really turn down a, a, a cap for your, for your national team, do you? So it is a bit of a sticky situation. I mean, it would have been nice to obviously see him after this international break, hopefully play Chelsea, but I feel like that's not going to happen now. So 
yeah, I was really pleased with Romero. But like I said, when are we actually going to see him in the, in that back line? I think it's definitely gone now, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. I think him and Lo Celso are staying for the Bolivia fixture. Um, so that definitely rules him and Lo Celso out of that Chelsea game. That broke this afternoon, I think. So, yeah, he's a... Uh, He's finished there, which is, which is quite a blow, isn't it, really? And not the best start for someone who's just come into the club. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, mate. Yeah, well, you know, I wouldn't say it's Spursy, but it is quite Spursy, really, isn't it? But, Cole, what do you make of his arrival? Because we're kind of heralding Eric Dyer and Davison Sanchez as this duo that's come from nowhere, really. And maybe the fact that Romero's coming has put a bit of a rocket up those two and thought, actually, you know, this is the best time to impress a new manager because... We have to play to start with, so that's not to say that Sanchez and Dyer will play every week forever. But you know they're looking quite solid at the moment. You don't break a winning team with three one-nil victories in your belt already. So where does Romero fit in all of this? Yeah, I think this is just the ultimate, isn't it? You know, Nuno's probably been given a bit more of a headache by the clean sheets and the free wins and, and the performances of Dyer and Sanchez because, you know, he maybe thought, well, the first game I've got to go with these two because Romero just isn't up to speed. If we have a bit of a nightmare, it gives me the easy excuse to bring him back in. But you get a clean sheet and a win in that game and both centre-backs play quite well. The next game you go away and, all right, defensively, you know, we we had a few chances go against us. So you wouldn't say we were that solid defensively, but again, you keep a clean sheet. Individually, both players play reasonably well. So again, you're kind of stuck, aren't you? Um, I think the first game Romero played was in the European game in Portugal, wasn't it? Where he made a few kind of rash decisions where you thought, oh, hang on a minute, that didn't look too good. But, I, you know, we saw him in the next European game at, at home and he was really solid that night and looked really good. So I think, you know, technically Nuno was just waiting for the right opportunity to throw him in. Um, it probably wouldn't have come against Palace because of the clean sheets and the way the two have played. But if that game doesn't go the right way, then I think you're putting him straight in for the Chelsea game. But obviously that's gone now. So we just have to see how the performances go. But you know, I, I can't see Dyer and Sanchez being able to keep that level of performance up. And we certainly haven't brought him in to kind of play second fiddle to those two. So I think he'll get his start at some point. And then, you know, from what I've seen, I like him. And I think he'll take that kind of leadership role in that centre-back pairing on. And then it'll just be a battle for who's playing alongside him each week. Well, Patrick, you know, the debut will come at some point. But we mustn't forget, he's only 23 all things being well, he could be at the club for a decade as an absolute stalwart of the club. So patience is a virtue and you get the feeling that once he actually is getting first in football on a regular basis, then he'll have it for as long as he wants it. Yeah, exactly that. So he's still young, uh, still learning his trade. I know he was voted Serie A's best defender last season, but uh, we can still see and, uh, and we need to appreciate that he's still got a lot to learn. Obviously coming over to a new country, new league, uh, new culture, it will take a while. So I'm not too worried right now. Obviously, the whole Argentina malarkey isn't great, especially as Martinez and Brandia have decided to come back. So they've made themselves, uh, you know, eligible for Aston Villa's next couple of games where our guys are still there, which is a bit weird and a bit strange. But yeah, we did, we'll definitely get him in. Hopefully, like you said, Carl, I think to be fair, Romero and Tanganga would form an awesome partnership but I also think Romero and possibly Sanchez could form a good one. Dyer would probably I would probably say would be the better 
partner with Romero because Dai is a bit more calmer and Romero's a bit, you know, the aggressor. But it looks like there's some decent options there. And um, hopefully we get him in and, uh, you know, he can start kicking on. Well, from a most basic point of view, Romero and Sanchez would both speak Spanish, wouldn't they? So from a communication mm. front, that would be helpful, if nothing else. But, Holly, in all of this, how do you fix a problem called Joe Rodon? Because surely he's, well, fifth choice now, really, if you want to call Tanganga the utility man who can slip inside. So down the pecking order, how does he get back in the fold? It's, a, it's very interesting. I mean, earlier when we were talking about, obviously, competition for, for places, I think that's highly evident in this position. So hopefully, I think he's just gone training with um, Wales, I yeah, think. So I think right. he's kind of over his injury sort of thing. So hopefully he can push on in the uh, in his international game and then come back and hopefully kind of fix his place. But again, like, where do you kind of slot him in? If, if Sanchez and uh, Dyer are playing really well, you don't want to necessarily break something that isn't broken at the moment. So... It is quite difficult. I think he's just got to try and push himself in training, show Nuno what he's all about, and maybe his breakthrough will be in this conference league, and then Nuno will be like, right, now I want to see you play in the Prem. So I think, again, it's all about Nuno's philosophy and kind of playing these players in not just the Prem or not just the conference league or not just cup games. It's that kind of unity of all of the kind of competitions in one. And I think that kind of also puts us in a good stead because... I know it's not good to mix the back lineup, but at least you've got options this time. Whereas last time, if, if someone was injured, it was really hard to think, all right, OK, can you step up to the plate? But if they're all wanting that position, hopefully they're already at that level where they're like, actually, yeah, I can prove my worth this game and they'll, they'll play really well. So it is interesting. I just hope he's a young talent and he can push on. Carl, the Europa Conference League is going to be the breeding ground of our new signings, it's fair to say. One of those is Pierluigi Gallini. What have you made of his showing so far obviously it's a small sample but credit in the bank do you feel yeah I, you know it seemed a smart move didn't it you know i don't think we could ever really you know joe hart never really sold himself did he when he got games you know was always kind of beaten by the odd soft one from outside the area so i guess you know when you consider we've managed to get one million for him off celtic you know i think that's a great move and we've brought in you know a new understudy and got him on loan at the moment so for me it's just a sensible move the early bits we've seen of him, I think he looks reasonably solid. He, you know, hasn't done nothing silly as yet, but I think you only find that out about a goalkeeper when they get a run in the side, don't they? You know, we was always crying out for Gazaniga to get games, weren't we? And suddenly when he came in and got a run, you know, he started trying to come through Bruce Lee people in the head at home and suddenly he was getting beat by the, the odd silly one here and there. So, yeah, we won't know, will we, till he gets a solid run. But... What he's done so far, you kind of go, well, yeah, it looks like there's a reasonable, solid goalkeeper. Um, and obviously the fact he's on loan, it's, you've not lost nothing, have you? Because if it doesn't work out, you just don't extend that and you send him back to where he's come from. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not too disappointed with that one. Well, Patrick, it is a loan deal. As Cole says, if it goes wrong, you just send him packing back to Atalanta. If it goes right, you buy him permanently and you're knocking on the door for Hugo Lloris. And... Is it a too big a leap of faith to say that if things did go right, Galini could be our first choice goalkeeper by next season? Oh, that's a tricky one because to be fair, Hugo still looks like a really good goalkeeper. And even if you if you're paying attention, his distribution has got a lot better. Uh in the Euros, I saw him pinging balls to, you know, Mbappe and other guys for France. I was thinking, why doesn't he do that for us? But he has been doing that for us as well so far. So 
Yeah, um, it could be because when Hugo came in, um, it took him a while to basically get the place from Brad Friedel. And I remember Lloris was getting frustrated and coming out and saying, I didn't sign to be the second choice and blah, blah, blah. And at the time, the manager's like, you know, just have faith and just wait and your time will come. So we have to see how Galini does. So far, I've been impressed with him. He did. He looked really good in the away game. At home, it seemed like there was a bit of lapse of concentration or maybe he was he overbelieved the hype to a degree. But then when he settled down, he looked decent. But it's kind of too early to say, to be fair, Dan. But so far, so good. Uh, but to be fair, Hugo hasn't done anything wrong. And uh, it will take a lot for him to, you know, uh, get to take his place at the moment, I think. Yeah, that's fair enough. I guess only at the same time, with Galini being 26, he's at that perfect age in terms of succession planning. Even if it's not next season, if things go well, and he is a permanent member of our team going forward, you then probably think, I don't know, two seasons down the line, that switch has to happen at some point. You can't get Larice forever. So Galini could be the safe pair of hands to then take the role. Yeah, I think so. I think we're laying down the foundations. I mean, I loved, I, I loved Gaza, but again, I don't think he necessarily had the attribute to be a Tottenham number one keeper. And I know that sounds harsh, but I just don't think he had it within him. I'm hoping that Galini will take the reins off Larice and it'll be a smooth transition. But that's another thing. Getting him on loan, we can test the waters. And then if he's not the type of player we kind of want, we can shift him back. So I think it's kind of a win-win in both kind of senses. Let's move on to Brian Hill now. And... He's come from Sevilla in part exchange for Eric Lamella and a hefty amount of cash to go with it, Cole. But you said you've liked what you've seen so far. Where does he fit in a starting eleven in the Premier League? Because he's exciting, there's no doubt about that. He's a bit raw, but you know he's young. And I think that's why people are thinking, actually, this he could be the real deal. So if you're looking at Bergvine, Lucas, is he better than them yet? How does he get the opportunity to be better? Where does Brian fit in our first eleven? I'll tell you what. Sorry, just, sorry, sorry, Carl. Just to, I've just seen the update. I mean, Argentina released Spurs and Villa players, mm. so they've all been released. So yeah, the three. Yeah, look. <laughs> Chelsea so, yeah. are in trouble now. Yeah, Chelsea, they're, they're, Chelsea are done for now. Uh, I must admit, though, Dan, I'm glad you mentioned it. Like for a minute, when you first mentioned his name, I, I wondered who we'd sign them when you said Brian Hill. I was like, <laughs> well, but you were using your Spanish your Spanish tongue, mate, and I should have known that. I was thinking, who's this Hill bloke we've signed? I no idea. Uh, but, yeah. It's from Luton. Do you know what? Yeah, yeah. I've been really impressed with him from what I've seen. You know, I think the first game away in Portugal, there were a few odd signs that, you know, he was good with the ball at his feet. Um, you know, he, he never shied away from trying to get the ball, which was another good thing. I always liked that in a player. Um, and the home fixture, I was really impressed with him against them because he was just everywhere that night. And again, always looking for the ball, always trying to play the killer pass and look to make things happen. Um, you know, and, and I think there we have got a really good player on our hands. Is he... I don't think he'll get regular minutes this season. You know, he'll probably be a sub and use sparingly here and there. I don't think he's going to start ahead of, say, Bergvine or Mora at the moment. But again, you wouldn't rule that out if he suddenly gets a run somewhere and gets a game and suddenly impresses because, you know, a bit like when Dali Ali broke onto the scene, wasn't it? You know, he scored that goal and never looked back from there and commanded a first-team play straight away. So I think it probably won't see that this season. 
But the one thing I'm really pleased about is I've seen enough already so far to make me think, yeah, there's a player in here that in another year's time, maybe a bit of bedding in another season, we'll have a real player on our hands because I really like what I've seen from him so far. And, you know, yes, he's going to bulk up and get a little bit stronger. He's going to be great from what I can see. So I'm really pleased with that signing. And Holly, a name fit for a king, Emerson Royale. He signs from Barcelona. Now, he was on loan at Betis, and then Barcelona took him back. He was all excited, thinking, yep, this is it, this is my time. Barcelona run out of money, and they had to sell him. So their loss is our gain. 22.5 million, if you believe the reports. 22 years old. How excited are you for his arrival? I mean, very, considering the right-back positions we had. So it's, it's definitely an improvement. And that's the thing. It, it's nice. When Doherty came in, I didn't think it was necessarily an improvement. But it's actually nice now to see a player come in and you think to yourself, oh, OK, he's got something about him. And, uh, yeah, I think on his part, maybe he was a bit disappointed because obviously maybe he wanted to play at Barcelona. But he's got a new task on the hand. What player doesn't want to play in the Premier League? So hopefully he can kick on. And like we said, that, that right-back position for me is, is something, apart from the Tanganga shift that he's done, it's something we really needed to improve on. So I'm just hoping now at 22, he can really embed himself in and actually push on and, and give us a right back that we've needed for a very long time. And Patrick, finally, you get the unknown quantity of all our arrivals, that being Pape Sarr, 18 years old, FC Mets, the club which he's also gone back to on loan. So obviously we won't really get to know him until next season. But how excited are you for him? Is he a YouTube sensation? Is he the real deal? Talk me through it. Uh, you know what? The YouTube video looks amazing, doesn't it? So, Patrick's uh, the YouTube <laughs> sensation, Dan. <laughs> come on, he can't yeah. take that crown off of him. Absolutely. My bad, Patrick. My bad. That's <laughs> so, nah, all right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but yeah, to be fair, I don't know much about him, if I'm being honest. I'll be watching Mets games keenly this season to see him play. I saw a report saying his, his dad came out and said he can play as a 10, he can play as an 8, he can play as a CM, a DM. So that's quite interesting. But yeah, um, 18, so many rave reviews about him. Obviously, one for the future. I'll be watching their games keenly to see what he's about. Yeah, I can't really say much more than that. Everyone's saying that it's a great, um, you know, addition and that we've done well to get him. Uh, we did well to have signed him a year before. Potentially, all the big boys came lurking. So, it could be a really good bit of business in the future. But right now, I can't really tell you much more, Dan, I don't know, to be fair. That's all right. I don't know either. I was hoping you could tell me. But <laughs> it actually leads to another point, Cole, in the terms that these signings if we're honest, they're not household names. It's great that the ability to find out all these players is there. I mean, if we go back, us, Cole, I don't know, 20 years ago, you'd have to do some research these players, and I mean some real deep research. You didn't have the ability just to click at a button and get everyone's career and their stats. You know, it's, it's open for everyone. It's great. But is this a measure of where Tottenham are in terms of their stature? Is this a bad thing? You know, would we be moaning 12 months ago if... We didn't have a start to football and these same kind of names were coming to the club. So has our stance as a fan base changed? Because we're all excited, and rightly so. But is it because we're now sort of shopping further down the list, so to speak? Well, there is that thing, isn't there? You know, where people are saying, you know, Parachiti's cooking and he's doing his business. And I guess, you know, we can see that there might be a game plan in place, which is, you know, buy some young talent and hope that, you know, they develop and can take the club on. You, you could probably argue, and some people will argue, that, well, I don't see no different game plan from what we've always done. You know, we've always brought young potential. With the ultimate hope, you have to sit there and think, I think if you're looking at Levy and Enix's point of view, well, listen, we buy this 19, 18-year-old for 10, 15 million. 
if he comes good as we think he is, in two or three seasons, we sell him for 80, you know, 50, 60, 80 million, hopefully, maybe. That's what their aim might be. And Spurs as a club only maybe get one or two seasons max of that player at their potential where they can actually help take the club forward. Um so you could argue that front, and there will be people out there saying, well, you know, to me, this is just pure typical Enoch, buy young players and, and hopefully, you know, we're going to get the resale value. But I think at this time, from what you've seen of these players when we've seen them, like I say, as in with, with Gil, I think you can actually see there is some talent there. And that's the one thing I'm hoping this time. We've got someone in who is actually looking at real talent, you know, and you can actually trust because we've brought players before where you have to sit there and say, well, who's, who scouted this guy? Who made the decision to buy him? Because clearly just not good enough. But we have seen some early signs that the players we've brought in look like they've got some real ability. I guess, you know, like, like we said earlier on, we won't actually know what the situation is with these players maybe even another season down the line, will we? You know, because as I say, they're not players that are going to come straight in the side right now and possibly, you know, look to challenge any one of those senior players for a regular start in place. But I think we just got to hope that they know what they're doing and Perichichi has got the right contacts and he's got the right talent in that maybe next season we'll get the real benefit for it and can help us start pushing back towards top four. Yep, fingers crossed we can only wait. And you'll have to wait for the next question next week because we've hit full time. Before I do the wrapping up, at least do the admin, and we've got some extra content for you now with our YouTube channel, whatever you want to call it, the video era, as it were, because each Friday we're going to be doing a preview of the match to come that weekend. That starts this Friday. I think it's going to be 12 o'clock. I think that's what we said. We'll confirm the time nearer the time. But yes, 12 o'clock sounds about right. It's going to be for YouTube only, so this won't be part of the podcast itself. It will be just a bit of a freestyle chat bit of, like jazz, but um, we're just going to wing it, really, the first couple of weeks, see how we go. But, yeah, just be a, a preview to uh, get us going for the weekend as we take on Crystal Palace this Saturday. So tune in for that. And before you tune in for that, I need to now thank my three Pod Squad members. Holly, some more minutes under your belt there. Thanks for joining us for some Tottenham chat this evening. No, thank you. It's nice, like I say. I'm actually getting into my stride now. And like I said, it's nice with this video element to see everyone's faces. So thank you for inviting me on. No problem. We'll have you back on soon. Patrick, a top performance this evening. Loving your work once again. Yeah, now thank you for having me. I'm loving the visuals. I'm loving the fact that we've now stepped foot into this new era. And um, yeah, I'm here to guide you, you you guys along as well. I know you're a bit shy to, to be in front of the camera, but yeah, it's good. It's good. Top man. And Carl, thanks for running the channels this evening in this new frontier for us and wearing that captain's armband as always. No, pleasure, mate. You know, let's say looking forward to this new venture of ours. I think, you know, we've got some really good content and guests coming everybody's way. So make sure you like and subscribe so you don't miss anything because, like I say, we've got some real good content coming. Absolutely. And with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And until next time, come on, you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.